Welcome to the Man Up Podcast. I'm Winston Wolf. I solve problems. A spiritual oasis for men. We're not pastors, just regular guys. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only. So, for the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men, this is Man Up. Welcome, everybody. Yeah. This is Man Up, Man Up Podcast number 114. We're glad you're here. Where is here? Here is Sugarland Baptist Church, Sugarland, Texas. So grab a globe, spin it around, bang. If you're in blue, find Texas. Southeast corner of Texas is H Town, Houston. Southwest side of Houston is Sugarland, and that's where we are. <clears throat> This is a spiritual oasis for men. We're not pastors. We're just regular guys. But we, we're, each of us are on this special faith journey. And so for one hour, we dig into the scriptures and we talk about it and apply it to our own lives as only men can. And men can only do it here because if you did it at work, they probably wouldn't understand. You wouldn't have the depth of knowledge with people. But you know us. We This is our 114th podcast. <clears throat> we have a great panel. And I'm going to go ahead and introduce them as soon as I introduce the lesson that we're talking about. We're still in the story of David. And this is David's Troubles, 2 Samuel 11 through 14. It's lesson nine. A son conspires against his father, and the and the text. One through twenty. Yeah. Okay. One through one through thirty. Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the judge making sure that everything is right. So, but we don't have a court reporter here. So, and um, this is the Baptist Way Press Connect three hundred and sixty Triumph and Troubles, and so what we do is we go around, we talk about the lesson, just basically give a brief overview first, then we read the scripture, and then we go in depth even further. So, you being a man out there, and if you're not a man, if you're a woman, welcome. We're, we're glad that you listen too. We're on iTunes. We're also on SoundCloud, where you can get all of our uh, episodes. We're on Facebook, and all except one is one episode is on Facebook. And we also have a website, which is manupspiritualoasis.com. And we're on Twitter as well. So you can find us, and if you have a question, you can go ahead and post it, and we'll go ahead and we will answer it here at the Man Up Podcast. It's home day! Wednesdays, that's what we do here. We do the podcast, and we have a great panel here. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to introduce him first. <clears throat> and he returned, and he's on time. It's He's a professional trainer, and we call him Crash, but he's a professor. Robert Koshu is here. <laughs> and... <clears throat> He's a scuba diver, but he's also an attorney, and he's a prosecutor, so he could, well, defend you or throw you into jail, or he could probably outswim you. So that's Michael Cropper, and he's here. And we we have a uh, professional policy writer. He's also a little bit of a gambler. We call that kind of risk management. Mr. Steve Titch is here. And you might notice that one of our regulars is not here, and that's uh, Deacon Kyle. Kyle Trahan is not going to make it. So if we have a little more edge than we 
normally do is because our deacon is not here to settle us down. Grounding us. My name is Bill Cox. I'm just basically a sales guy, writer and actor at times, but uh, director of the Man Up Adult Bible Fellowship here at Sugarland Baptist Church. So I just want to go around the room and get a brief overview from the fellas about this week's lesson. I'm going to start out with Mr. Steve Titch. Um, I'll just say something broadly. I, I really love doing this entire narrative of David. Uh, we are familiar with individual stories. David and Goliath, uh, David and Bathsheba. But going through this entire narrative, and it is, it is a fascinating story, a dramatic story, uh, and there's more to his life. It's, it's really we're really getting a handle on what this was all about, and and uh, you know, a, a definitely a flawed hero. And we're going to see here in 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 this week and into next week. I think David's going to hit his lowest point. He's isolated. He seems that the tone of the the story is even quite dark. We, we imagine a, a, a king kind of by himself sitting on the throne, a kind of a, an uneasy lie, uneasy lies the head that wears the crown kind of thing. In fact, in fact, that's one, one Shakespearean reference. I'll give you the other. It gets very Lear-like uh, this week and next week. And I'll, I'll leave it at that and, and, and uh, Excellent. pass the shoe here. <laughs> I pass the shoe. <laughs> nice for all you gamblers out there. <clears throat> Judge. Yeah, uh, just a reminder of where we're at, uh, in case you didn't tune in to last week's lesson. Um, David's eldest son decides he's in love with, uh, by the his name is Amnon, decides he's in love with uh, Tamar. his younger brother's, right, right, his younger brother's sister, and she's very, very beautiful, and, and we call love, in this case, it's lust. I mean, it, we didn't beat around the bus with it. He decides he wants to have luck have sex with her, make love, whatever you want to say, right. but he's going to go to any length to do it. And one of uh, David's brother's sons, I guess is a good friend of his, a cousin, right, uh, tells him what to do to trick this young lady, Tamar. An accessory. He is an absolutely yeah. accessory. Yes, a conspiracy. Yeah. Conspiracy there. And uh, he tricks her into his bedroom by pretending he's ill. And uh, he rapes her. I mean, he doesn't just ask her to go to bed. He rapes her, forced her to rape. Now, her older brother is Absalom. David's third. We don't hear about the second one. If the second one is named Chilia, we never hear about him. We only hear about Amnon and Absalom. Absalom learns about Amnon, his, the oldest, the number one brother, uh, raping his sister. And, <coughs> and he goes after him. And he says, he tells us, Tamar to come live with him, not to worry about it. He will love. And he doesn't say much more than that. Then he, uh, he actually kills, he plans out a very, very scheming system, very sharp, and he traps Amnon in a uh, party with some of, his, some of his family. I shouldn't say traps, he just kills him, he flat out right kills him at a party, and then he runs away. Now, we, we leave out a, a chapter here, the next chapter is, is 2 Samuel 14. And Absalom runs away and lives with his mother's family in Jezer, okay? And um, at this time, David grieves for the, first, the oldest, which is Amnon, one Absalom kills. And then after he finishes grieving, he starts grieving for Absalom. He misses him as well. And uh, either Robert or Steve made a comment. Uh, David's number one guy in his army that leads his army, his commander, 
sees that David really misses his son Absalom, and he he. Uh, he gets a figure in this. Who, who, yes. who seems to be in the middle of a lot of things. He does. <laughs> right. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. I just <laughs> want to totally good he, point. Could, yeah. Continue on, Judge. Yeah, he, get, he, he gets a lady to go in and tell a story like Nathan did and saying that, you know, one brother killed another and my uh, my sons and and I need protection for the one son that killed the other brother. And this is in chapter 14, that we don't one we don't read. And David says, okay, I will protect your son. A woman needs her son if she doesn't have a husband then. The son is supposed to take care of the mother. Well, uh, Joab has put her up to this, and, and she says, David, you're the one that this is all about. One son has killed the other one. And by the way, at this time, we don't see any real... We, we never saw David punish Absalom for killing Amnon, and we never saw... And we never saw David punish Amnon for raping Tamar. So maybe there is a little justification in here from Joab who says, well, he gets he got what he deserved, even though Am, Absalom is the executor of the punishment. But I get the feeling that's what came about here. And so David calls his son back, Absalom, back in, and uh, but didn't see him. And so Absalom gets mad after a couple of years and... Um, forces his way into the the palace to see his dad. David had relegated him outside the walls since he had killed Amnon, even though he brought him back into Jerusalem from Jezer. Um, and, and, and Absalom forced the issue and went to see his dad. And his dad hugged him and kissed him. And then after that, we start the story today of betrayal. Excellent, excellent. Professor... That, that was a great summary, Mike, and catching us up. So... I'm going to give my my corporate leadership take on this. Oh, there, here's the trainer. He wanted proof that he's a trainer. Here it is. Beware those who will flatter unnecessarily and set themselves on a pedestal. Because those that do that are often plotting something that they oh, may agree. not yeah. be aware of. Beware, that you right. may not be aware of. Yeah, oh, good <laughs> point. Good point. Come on, more. Well, before I read the script, before the I read the scripture, I just wanted to uh, dovetail on what the judge said, and I think that David looked at Amnon and Absalom as the only two king-worthy sons that he had. And that's why, and that, and, and that's, that's right, and that's why he he missed one, but he really wanted the other one back because he wasn't ready. And I, I think personally, I, that's what I think. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and read Second Samuel 15, 1 through thirty. Just want to make sure you know we're not pastors; we're just regular guys, and that certainly goes for me. And I'm going to blow through these names, and hopefully, I'm close. And with that. In the course of time, Absalom provided himself with a chariot and horses and with 50 men to run ahead of him. He would get up early and stand by the side of the road leading to the city gate. Whenever anyone came with a complaint to be placed before the king for a decision, Absalom would call out to him, What town are you from? He would answer, Your servant is from one of the tribes of Israel. Then Absalom would say to him, Look, your claims are valid and proper, but there is no representative of the king to hear you. And Absalom would add, 
If only I were appointed judge in the land, then everyone who has a complaint or case could come before me and I would see that he gets justice. Also, whenever anyone approached him to bow down before him, Absalom would reach out his hand, take hold of him, and kiss him. Absalom behaved in this way towards all the Israelites who came to the king asking for justice, and so he stole the hearts of the men of Israel. At the end of four years, Absalom said to the king, Let me go to Hebron and fulfill a vow I made to the Lord. While your servant was living in Geshur in Aram, I made this vow. If the Lord takes me back to Jerusalem, I will worship the Lord in Hebron. The king said to him, Go in peace. So he went to Hebron. Then Absalom sent messages throughout the tribes of Israel to say, As soon as you hear the sounds of the trumpet, then say, Absalom is king of Hebron. 200 men from Jerusalem had accompanied Absalom. They had been invited as guests and went quite innocently, knowing nothing about the matter. While Absalom was offering sacrifices, he also sent for Anthrophel, the Gilanite, David's counselor, to come from Gilah, his hometown. And so the conspiracy gained strength, and Absalom following kept on increasing. A messenger came and told David, The hearts of the men of Israel are with Absalom. Then David said to his officials who were with him in Jerusalem, Come, we must flee, or none of us will escape from Absalom. We must leave immediately, or he will move quickly to overtake us and bring ruin upon us and put the city to the sword. The king's officials answered him, Your servants are ready to do whatever our lord the king chooses. The king set out with his entire household following him, but he left ten concubines to take care of the palace. So the king set out with all the people following him, and they halted at a place some distance away. All his men marched past him along with the Carathites and the Pelathites, and all 600 Gittites who had accompanied him from Gath marched before the king. The king said to Ittai the Gittite, Why should you come along with us? Go back and stay with King Absalom. You are a foreigner, an exile from your homeland. You came only yesterday, and today shall I make you wander about with us when I do not know where I am going? Go back and take care of your countrymen. May kindness and faithfulness be with you. But Ittai replied to the king, As surely as the Lord lives, and as my Lord the king lives, Wherever my lord, the king, may be, whether it means life or death, there will your servant be. David said to Ittai, Go ahead, march on. So Ittai the Gittite marched on with all his men and the families that were with him. The whole countryside wept aloud as all the people passed by. The king also crossed the Kidron Valley, and all the people moved on toward the desert. Zadok was there too, and all the Levites who were there with him were carrying the Ark of the Covenant of God. They set down the Ark of God, and Abathar offered sacrifices until all the people had finished leaving the city. Then the king said to Zadok, Take the Ark of God back into the city. If I find favor in the Lord's eyes, he will bring me back and let me see it and his dwelling place again. But if he says, I am not pleased with you, Then I am ready. Let him do to me whatever seems good to him. The king also said to Zadok the priest, 
Aren't you a seer? Go back to the city in peace with your son Azamon and Jonathan, son of Abathar. You and Abathar, take your two sons with you. I will wait at the fords in the desert until word comes from you to inform me. So Zadok and Abathar took the ark of God back to Jerusalem and stayed there. But David continued up the Mount of Olives, weeping as he wept. His head was covered, and he was barefoot. All the people with him covered their heads too, and they were weeping as they went up. When I read that, I just think of someone that had the highest of highs and now is experiencing the lowest of lows. Well, and, and it's interesting. So <clears throat> I could not place the Kidron Valley, so I looked it up super quick while you were reading. And the Kidron Valley separates the main part of Jerusalem from, from or the Temple Mount from the main part of Jerusalem <clears throat> and then extends towards the Mount of Olives down into the Dead Sea literally descending 4,000 feet as it goes through. And as you read that, as I read the 4,000 feet, I'm like, that is like, that is so symbolic of what you just said, the lowest of the lows. Right. As you go through. So before we delve anymore, I just want to, I'm going to throw out a good thing that turned out to be really bad this time. Talk about somebody who could plot and plan and bide his time. Absalom is the guy. Because this is nine years after the whole deal with Ammon and Tamar. And and you know darn well that's when he threw his lot against David. He's like, what the heck, Dad? You're not going to do squat about this? He literally raped her, Dad. Come on. You know, and David is just like, whatever. So he waits two years. He kills Ammon. He hides for three. There's five. Then he comes back to Jerusalem for four. For four. So he waits yeah. nine years to exact his revenge on dad. Okay, so it's not necessarily revenge. That's well, the prize. Nine years the, to get the prize. It's, 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 I, I get it. yeah, the prize, revenge, his, what he feels is right. He, he is now, Absalom believes that he. I'm sure he's, that he's the favored one now. Um, he has had to take matters into his own hands. He does it, but it is it is impressive to behold in a dark sort of way. Uh, Absolutely, he gets. Now let's talk. I said you, that. you you want to? I mean, the the machinations here. I mean, this this section. If you ever have somebody at work who says, I don't think the Bible has relevance today in this era of office politics, <laughs> give right what was my takeaway from the beginning of this? <laughs> give him this. What was here, my summary? Here, um, that, yeah, this is the guy who, who, this is the guy who goes behind mm-hmm. the corporate execs mm-hmm. and quietly instills well, mutiny. I just yes. don't know if that's he's, really he's, gonna work. He's sitting, and yeah. but but let's no. let's look also. Yes, he's and he's sitting out there at the gate. He's basically made himself de facto gatekeeper mm-hmm. to to David. He's done two things. First of all, David. This is this is worth talking about. David seems completely isolated by now. I mean, he's old. He seems he seems almost to the point where. 
he's not he's not picking up any of this intelligence from his network. You know, there's there's Absalom with his sixty men and his and now we do read one thing that's kind of mentioned quickly and uh, and not really developed and it, 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 it continues to develop later, but that's Ethithophel. Yeah. Who is the grandfather of Bathsheba. Bathsheba. He becomes Absalom's mole. He is still advising the king. Yep. And goodness knows what Ahithophel is telling David. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Um, He's telling him everything that Absalom wants David to hear. Absolutely. Um, it is. It is. I mean, this is another aspect of this this brilliantly executed plan, and and David still hasn't come to terms. It takes us back now ten years. Maybe he's he's probably in his mid sixties. He's an aging man. It still hasn't. We, he still hasn't come to terms. He right, thinks. What he's done. I think, and they, he still he still you know thinks this guy you know. Oh, I'm sure I felt, forgot all about that. He, Dave, <laughs> David has mailed it in as far as his leadership. Yes. Now he he started out strong, and maybe he feels that because he created this awesome machine, mm-hmm. that by now it works on its own. But funny thing, for four years he didn't notice. People weren't coming to him to make a decision for four years. What did he think? He liked not being disturbed, but but that's becoming that is becoming irrelevant. He is becoming irrelevant to the general population. Uh, Robert, how how do you? Okay, I'm going to ask you. I want to ask you because you brought this up. Yeah. How you've got the flatterer on one end, but how many? How much? How many instances do you know of? The danger of when the guy in charge either you know gets isolated or, or isolates himself. Oh, it, it is. It is. So I, I will throw out the best one that everyone knows about that I actually got to witness firsthand because I was an employee of the company <laughs> at the time. Hank Greenberg and AIG. Uh-huh. Hank Greenberg surrounded himself with our colloquial term that we use around our office is bobbleheads. Okay. And everybody knows what a bobblehead does? <laughs> Bobbles, yes. Yes. All the time. Hank Greenberg, he knew the day-to-day operations of AIG and had everything there, but he had isolated himself from everything around himself and had everyone, nothing but a bunch of yes-men around him to where when he started playing fast and loose with the numbers and doing other things, that then no one noticed and no one wanted to complain. Take it a little further... So then another person took over at the time, and he was there, totally isolated away from everything, and you ended up with a rogue division in the UK doing this nifty little thing called credit default swaps that almost, that A, brought down the entire company, and close at the same time, came incredibly close to bringing down the entire US economy. Uh, I'll plug in the not the movie. The movie's incredibly good, but the book is so much better. The Big Short. Big Short, right? And it will explain anything and everything that goes on with that. But that those are two sort of really good examples. You get a bunch of yes men, or you to, you isolate yourself, and people just go do their own things, and you can see what's going on. And there are multiple other illustrations in corporate America. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
the flatterer or the person that thinks they're above everybody else in our hometown mm-hmm. here, Enron. You know, there are stories of Jeff Skilling literally cutting people off to get to his parking spot. His reserve parking spot. <laughs> it wasn't like he had to go find him a spot. <laughs> and, sh- and doing um, extraneous sign language to them as he cut them off. <laughs> Employees. <laughs> you know, but I mean, that kind of stuff is the kind of stuff that that's all here in this story. I think the big difference, though, uh, with David is this. He probably felt that his two sons, they had been in the palace, and he thought that they were groomed to take over, to, to succeed and s- right behind him. And he didn't expect any kind of retribution or any kind of revenge. He, he thought it was just going to be basic paternalism. Dad, son, you know, the next one and the next one. Would and he, didn't expect it. I wonder what, and this to me, the first verses are just, if not funny, almost ridiculous. There is no chariots in Israel or Jerusalem. We never hear about that. We hear them defeating the Egyptians who had multiple chariots, and David right. taking the soldiers and just wiping out 50 chariots and what, hamstringing 300 horses, something like that. Right. And you hear Absalom, the first, the very first verse, he says, Absalom purchases himself a chariot, okay? Which royalty has, royalty has. Now remember, he's not happy to go down the street and say, I'm Prince Absalom. He gets a chariot. He buys Clydesdales. Right, right. right. <laughs> to pull his chariot through the street. And then when he goes, any event, I don't know what they had at that time, whether it was uh, gladiators or what they did. So he's going to go to an event, and he has 50 men going in front of him yelling, Here comes Prince Absalom, right? right. I mean, here he comes. And so he's it's making like that scene himself. In <Yeah>. I think he probably had trumpeters heralding them, but I, I can imagine that. And this impresses many people. But it creates a spectacle for himself. Yes, it's a spectacle. But not only not only that though, they know him. He paid attention to them. He met him at the the gates, whereas David must be holed up in the palace and doesn't know him. He hasn't interfaced with him. Do do y'all really think, and and let's talk about this for a second. Do y'all really think, because I really do, I get the feeling that this whole thing with Bathsheba wasn't just, he slept with her, he had the baby, Nathan confronts him, the baby dies. David, repent. Life goes on. I think this was a serious linchpin. The way the court behaved, the way the court acted, the way every... Because you're right. I think he's more... Since that happened, and we saw a little bit of it before the story of Bathsheba where everybody goes off to war and he stays put. But I think he becomes even more isolated because Joab had had some interesting incidences beforehand. But I really wonder how much Joab starts to... Because Joab plays a big part in bringing Absalom back. Yeah. We're going to see that Joab does... 
couple of other things that are totally against the Kings, mm-hmm. which is here in the next several weeks. We'll talk about that. All of but oh. how much has he now, I speak for the King, kind of moments? Because I'm the commander of the army, so I speak for the mm-hmm. King. Don't worry about David. He's up there. He's in control. Well, go yeah. I, yeah. I'm, I'm, I was just going to say, everything Absalom does here is deceit. I mean, pure deceit. He's going out to the people who are coming to look for David, and he says, oh, that there would be someone to listen to your claims. Now, we don't know, it doesn't say this, but it's inferring that David has not opened his doors every day to ju- make judgments like you guys said. So we can as- assume that Absalom is saying here, if I were representative if I were appointed judge in the land, I would agree with you. Your case is a good case. So he's listening to one side of the case only. No. He's not listening to two people. He's well, here to be no, this, this is a brilliant politics. First of all, as you're explaining, there's a power vacuum now. Yeah. And and Absalom, you know, we don't Joab may have his own ambitions in this. Um, certainly Absalom Absalom is inciting open rebellion, and he's doing it in a very cagey way. He is he is becoming the man of the hour. Yeah, he yeah. is he oh, is no building, question. you know, doing the classic. I'm going to build something. I'm going to become popular. Everybody's going to love me. Nobody nobody seems to be appalled at the sun undermining publicly undermining. Mm-hmm. The, 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 his father, the king, and it seems he seems to be suborning a lot of people, and they don't seem to. Care that they're and, and don't you know that David in, knows in this is going treason? on? Yeah, I mean, David has well, you know, you this wonder. is going on. But anyway, I'm sorry, Bill. I just <laughs> no, that's not a problem. This is Man Up, Man Up Podcast number one fourteen. We need to take our hard break. We will be right back. You are listening to the Man Up Podcast, spiritual oasis for men. Just like any muscle, we feel the faith muscle must be exercised. And here we do it real authentic, the Man Up way. Not pastors, just regular guys, each on a unique spiritual journey. Thanks for joining us. Deep questions and discussions you won't hear anywhere else, especially in today's climate. Missed an episode? They are archived. Free for you to select on SoundCloud. We come to you from the Man Up Studios at Sugarland Baptist Church, Sugarland, Houston, Texas, in the United States. Have a question or comment, or want to book a speaker or group and have Man Up come to you? Contact us on our Facebook page, Gigmasters, or WMA Cox at Comcast.net. And now, back to fellows of Man Up. This is Man Up, spiritual oasis for men. We're not pastors, we're just regular guys, but man, we are getting heated talking about some man stuff. And like Steve said earlier, we're filling in more of the blanks of David's life. Of course, David is one of the heroes of the Old Testament, and everybody knows a few of the stories, but this is a little bit more. And we're talking about... A son conspires against his father, and we're talking about the uh, the scheming Absalom. <clears throat> the and the point that we were we just left on is I don't understand how David could have missed it, could have missed Absalom's scheming. 
it seems to me he, he should have known that Absalom was going to be the heir apparent. And when, when you have an heir apparent, it seems like there was plenty of things that he needed to be training and needed to be working side by side with Absalom when the reality is, apparently, according to the scripture, he pretty much let Absalom alone. Yeah, just go ahead. Hey, hey do whatever. And just kind of, for lack of a better term, mailed it in. His well, leadership. Yeah, where is Joab during this time? Sorry, dear little. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. What you, what you mentioned last earlier, Robert and Steve mentioned, Joab seems to be part of this. Why isn't Joab is brilliant? Why is he not going up to David and saying, "I think your son's doing more than just"? You wonder. That's a good point. Politicians about that. Well, because he, he because he doesn't believe he doesn't believe in David anymore. He's, His, wait, he's either at or waiting to see who wins so. this thing. Right. I think Joab is cagey enough to wait and see. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I'm going based on who got the order to have Uriah killed, and then followed it. Right. Who who knew? Who's going to be the powerful one? Yeah. Who knew sort of... I, I think Joab was your your traditional number two follower. Right. Or your number one follower. Yeah, number one who, follower. Who would swing whichever way the power brokers went. That's right. And, and, and those kind of people, they're always number two, regardless of who's the head. Yep. <laughs> you know. They're always... Yep. You know, some of, some you'll, you'll, you never can trust them. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Um, but I, I wanted to get back to, to... And I think it's really important what you said. This whole Bathsheba thing, I didn't think, was a turning point in the story. Oh. In, the, in, the, in the narrative. Uh, everything. And, yeah. and, 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 I, I, I don't and think you we see, get anywhere near... I don't think the text in Scripture gives us anywhere near the actual turning point that it was. I think we have to read between mm-hmm. the lines. Well, you have to follow see the, what follow. follow the story. That, that's what I'm saying. That's why it's it's this it, it's this following this whole narrative is so mm-hmm. interesting and important to understanding David. Now we get to this point. Now to your point, and and we talked about this a little in my class this week and last week. David and a lot of people like the like him. You know, they want him to be the hero. But I think he's now beginning to feel sorry for himself. Absolutely. I think he's moping around, literally or figuratively, saying to himself, "Oh, if only I had stayed a shepherd." Right. <laughs> back in yeah. back in uh, Bethlehem. 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 And 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 not deal. I I think uh, it's the only way to explain some of this. He doesn't seem to care. Uh, and he and now he he does does the decent thing by leaving Jerusalem, by taking, by avoiding a battle and a bloodshed uh, in the city. But there he is, you know, he's weeping, but who's he weeping for? Steve, I think you're right. I think he's looking for another Goliath to kill. And to yeah. get his spirits up, <laughs> and, and the Lord oh, got to provide I never for us. Yeah, yeah I don't think he has. I don't think he has the this strength to do that. Well, he's, he's an older. He's an, he's an he's an older guy, but he's realizing if you fan the flames of fame, those same flames will burn you when you're coming down, and that is what what he's doing that's why he's got his his head covered doesn't want anybody to know it's him and he's just walking he's just walking it's a defeated man no he's 
he, I, I think he's depressed, and I think he's going to get what you say. But he's thinking the Lord will deliver me one more time or bring something into my life that will make me... Or it will he's, end it. He's almost, he's almost, you know, whatever. I mean, he tells the, the uh, Itai, the Gittite, he, he even says, what the heck are you coming with me for? Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, exactly. right, you know, right. and, 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 and Itai proclaims his loyalty. And, and David says, well, kind of, he almost says, que sarah, sarah. The, right. the Lord may deliver me. Maybe he not. not. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, he's, well, he's, and I guess this 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 might point to the fact that David is not walking with the Lord right now yeah. at all. He's and, and he's he's you know, and, and he, he, at I, least I think, the way the story's told, he's he's yeah. completely isolated himself. Yeah, not said, only from his own advisors in court, but perhaps from the he Lord. He sent the art back too. Uh, yeah, so and there's a symbolic. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. 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 No, 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 no. That's really good. You're saying. Absolutely. Is, is not only that, but but what, and this is where I think you really see the melancholy, because he says here, he tells Zadok, take the ark of God back into the city. If I find favor in the Lord's eyes, he will bring me back and let me see it and his dwelling place again. But if he says, I am not pleased with you, then I am ready. Let him do whatever seems good to him. Amen. That's the end. That That is the absolute end right there. He's ready to accept... He's accepted his punishment before it was given to him. Well, we know that in the next lesson, the Lord is going to bring him back and <laughs> right. deliver him, and he's still not going to be happy. Well, yes, right. but, yeah, but I, yeah. think, I think there's more. There's more. I mean, like, it's, this march downhill continues. Yes. Um, this is where I think the whole... This is what reminds me of King Lear, in that this is, this is the scene where King Lear goes out where he's completely mad and he goes out on the heath into the storm. But by then he's been, he, he didn't trust the one daughter who loved him. He cast her out and put his faith in the two daughters who ended up basically usurping his kingdom, taking his protection away, and by the middle of the play, tossing him out into the storm where he wanders around with only literally a fool for a friend. Who can and and now the, the circumstances are different, but I think the same thing is happening with David. He has to, and 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 I don't want to say everything because I have more planned for next week. But I think this is part one of this this long walk of shame that where he goes yes brilliantly downhill from the Temple Mount down to the the the, the banks of the of, of the Jordan River. Uh, it's. Yeah. It's it's his his moment, and it, it comes to an interesting uh, an interesting finish because, yeah, um, will he come to his senses? I'll leave it to that. Will he come to his senses like Lear did? Will it be too late, like it was for Lear? <laughs> no, he doesn't exhibit the confidence he had. We saw him before Bathsheba, and then Amnon being killed. And then Absalom killing Amnon. He has lost all confidence in himself, like you say, in decisions he want, he needs to make. Well, I he he stumbled mightily with the Bathsheba decision, and then couldn't decide mm-hmm. with Amnon, and didn't decide mm-hmm. with yes. Absalom, and once you and, and that's the thing about leadership and men not to decide is to decide you when you don't make that decision there's plenty of other people that all have already made up their mind 
and and have an opinion of what you should have done. But the mere fact that you did nothing, then you're going to have people that would have supported you half one way or half the other way, but now nobody will support you because you didn't do anything. Yeah. And, and, and that's kind of where he's at. And like I think it was Professor said, he's out on an island. And you know, it isn't getting any easier. No, and, and easier. men, we are going to make mistakes. And we may make big blunders, right? But you can't live in it the rest of your life and wallow in it. You've got to get up. You've got to start back up the life that you know of. And if you need help, ask for help from your, from your fellow men. But the point is, is you don't lay there and wallow in it. You have to get up and move on, even if it's one step at a time, and then two steps, and then three steps, and so on and so forth. And we don't see David doing this. Well, I, I think it's, I, I think it's one, one other step, too. You have to identify why you made the mistake yeah. and then move on from it. You know, and I think I think David never, as much as he repents from the sin, I don't think he moves on. He never owned it, never owned it, and never... I think he never really... I don't think he recognized how deep the consequences would go. I think he knew the baby was going to die. Nathan, yada, yada, and about some other stuff that was going to be bad, sort of, my house... Somebody's going to do in, mm-hmm. open what I did in secret, yada, 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 was probably David's thought, mm-hmm. but my God, they took the child. This, this is, uh, and it's hard to tell because this isn't, you really, it really doesn't say this, pers- you know, outright. Um, but one thing I infer is that David, maybe he was really holding out because he thought things were going to go back to the way they were. Because I think part well, of I, I part of it, yeah, part of moving it. on. I mean, that sounds nice where you say, "Oh, you got to yeah. move on." But when you, when you make a blunder, a mistake, you might change situations, and things might go not go back to the way they are. You may, yeah. If if you're unfaithful, you may be sorry. Your spouse may forgive you, but you still may end up divorced. Because or or, or if there's substance right. abuse, same thing. And and what what. Many people want to believe and that they they make a big mistake, they make a big mistake, it has consequences, but they feel like, well, things should go back to the way they were. I and said they I'm sorry. Um, and 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 right. that's and I think that you know David's could like his like I said he's right. wishing he were a, a a shepherd again. Um, he doesn't do anything about Absalom. Maybe he thinks he's. He's hoping, oh, Absalom will get rid of this nonsense with his chariots and horses and come back and be a proper prince. Uh, he's going to get over it. How, how many, he'll get over it. And uh, again, I, it's speculation, but falling back into the, the idea of being head of a family or being a leader, sometimes when you make a mistake, you're going to have to deal with irrevocable changes that occur from that that and 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 deal with that. There, things may not go back. Things will not go back to the way they were. Do, do you think that he? Uh, do you think the court split up that badly after this too? Do you think the whole Bathsheba story really split the well, royal was, court? There was a lot of dysfunction. I mean, Arithopel is still hanging around, but he's right. clearly got an agenda. You know, there's there's always. 
you know, it comes from the top. David never did anything about it, and there's the essence of the dysfunction. There was, like that, there was this elephant in the room that nobody talked about, but Absalom's over there making his agenda. Right. Choab, Ahithophel, uh, Amnon, unfortunately, is the, is, he pays a price in this. Um, so, so I don't think, I don't know, I don't know if there was outright splits where I'm going over there, but Joab, go, let's go back to Joab. Joab's, you know, weighing both sides and keeping an eye on this. Well, he's just like quiet. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah, no, he is. For, he is. But for but, but it may be four years. Man, that discussion at yeah. some point. <laughs> but for four years, Absalom was available to the people. Four years. Mm -hmm. And David never called him in and said, hey, he what are you have. doing? Yeah. What are you exactly. doing? You're not the king. Exactly. Because, because David knows deep down, and that's what he's going to have to come to terms with. There's only one way this is going to end. Him do you, do you or think me. David, do you think David thought this was training for Absalom? I, I, no. I think, no. I think okay. he was avoiding... He was avoiding confronting, and I'll, I'll make yeah. the case stronger for that next next week. But I, he, he's, I'm not disagreeing. I think, I'm just, I, I think deep down I, I he knows this is not. This is going to end with either. It's going to be bad. Well, you know, with you know, with either some, him or with the, some. Only one of the two are going to survive this. There's right. some parents today, and 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 not saying you guys. There's some parents today that believe that you love your children, and you don't discipline them. And you're showing love to them. You're too busy being their friend. <laughs> right. That's, you're exactly. Men, men, some men try to be the friend of their son when he's too young, and that's not what you do. This, rem this reminds me of a discussion I had with my dad and my grandpa. And we were sitting around the table because we were all, we were pig farmers. And uh, I was getting lippy with my dad, and my dad goes, hold it. There's, there's only one bull in this room. And my grandpa goes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> he might have been old, but he was the bull. Did, did you take the hint, Bill? <laughs> I, loud and clear, <laughs> absolutely. Well, and, but, but I think it's one of those, and, and I think this is maybe another man lesson here is, you know, and, and saying this, I have two grown children. Mike, you have grown children now. Yours are both grown, Bill. Yes. Well. Yeah. Uh, moved my youngest off to grad school this weekend, and the oldest was there with me. And yeah, had had a few moments there where you know they're old, they're twenty seven and twenty three, and it's fun to be their friend now. But them still come to me and say, "So what should I do about?" It? Right. Oh yes. You know, oh, but yes. but it's a different conversation oh, yeah. than it was. But I and I think Mike, I think you said it the right way. Try to be their friends when too young. Too young. When they're for informative years. Formative years, they need structure, and men's duty—a man's duty—is to raise their children. Plain and simple. No question. No, they look for that. I mean, that's that's—they come almost naturally to you. They want to be. To, they want to be to raised. that structure, to those, to those, those boundaries. Yeah. And and they will respect them. If you start, if you do it right, they will respect them. And so maybe yeah. David didn't have boundaries early, and, right. so, oh, yeah. and then he didn't know how to rule it, rein it in. Right. At that point. <clears throat> Too many concubines. Go back to Too that. many concubines. <laughs> yeah. Samuel worried about the concubines. Right, right. <laughs> and with that, we're coming down to the end of podcast number 114. I want to go around the room and uh, one more time and get a summary. Kyle Trahan. 
<laughs> well, he didn't have much to say because he's <laughs> oh, not here. You're brutal. They all forgot his glasses. They all forgot his glasses. Right. <laughs> it was me you were looking at. Right. right. Kyle, Kyle's down at the gate of the church saying Bill Cox isn't taking any advice. <laughs> Right. I'm sorry, Kyle. Right, right. You're listening. That was Steve Titch. Go ahead and believe it. Right. All the hate mail goes to Steve, T-I-T-C-H. <laughs> Michael Cropper, the judge. Yeah, I Your know. summary. I, yeah, the summary will be wait till next week. Like yes. Steve says, Steve's oh, got yeah. a lot of stuff for it. This is a, folks, this is a sequel. Uh, the, the second part of this, join us next week by far. What we saw was... Uh, uh, Absalom betray his dad after dad tried to make it right, things right yeah. with him on his request. And uh, we saw a very, very, very intelligent, shrewd, deceptive, power-hungry son that's going to kill his dad and everybody in Jerusalem because he decided he was, it was time for him to be king. Right. And his dad had put so much faith and so much love into him. And, uh, and, and boy, it's... You just see the betrayal right here. So the next lesson will cover a lot of what we just talked about. I'm looking forward to the next lesson. Professor. Um, encourage everybody to visit us on our website, www.spiritualoasis.com. Get all of our stuff there, including podcast, Twitter feed, and our Facebook page. Um, I'm going to take a brief moment, super, super quick. So first of all, last Saturday was the 50th anniversary of Apollo 11. So I do want to mention that as part of it which was a formative thing. It, it actually is my earliest memory growing up, is watching the guys walk on the moon. Um, and then I also want to mention... because and there I were know, men. The, yes, they were. They were. And I, I just want to mention, because Steve Titch... The saw, New York Times this week it. told us all about... Reminded us yes. of how, how, how those progressive Soviets... Soviets had, right, had women before us. <laughs> so, <laughs> so. And then I want to mention very, very quickly that because Steve Titch shared it, but go look up the stats on the game last night from the Houston Astros <laughs> and the Angels where they were celebrating Apollo 11. 11 hits, 11 oh, no, runs. Okay. I mean, it was just... 11 strikeouts. Out. I mean, it was just like... I read it and I'm just like... Mathematically, it's yes. impossible. <laughs> the 11th the run was scored on the 11th hit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, and, and, yeah. And, I'm a nerd. Um, I like stats. By the 11th man to bat, bat. in that inning, yeah. <laughs> Cole struck out 11. It was his 11th win of the season. <laughs> what, what the heck? <laughs> I mean, that was just... Yeah, I just wanted to throw that out there. On this lesson, I, I, I'll go back to where I just started. This is a guy who... Man, did he know how to bide his time. Oh, no question for, about it. For evil, and you can bide your time for good, and you can bide your time for evil. There's him doing what he did where when people would bow down, he would literally pick them up and kiss them. Meaning, no, 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 don't don't bow to me. I'm just like you. And, and all leaders should do that, but there are leaders that do that who are genuine about it, and there are leaders that do that... That are snake. Well... They, they have the words, but not the actions. Right. Or the authority. Or the, well, actually, sometimes worse, they have the authority. <laughs> and so, kind of, this is like Steve said, if, if you don't think the Bible has anything to do with today's life, 
for God's sake, go start reading it periodically. Right. Because this is corporate politics 101 right here. And the thing about it is, um, although next week is going to be exciting and just a a great lesson, it's awesome, but as men, we run into this, what happens here, far more than what we're going to run into next week. We run into more scheming, people, you know, behind your back, and it just goes to show David should have manned up he should have nipped it in the bud it would have it would have saved a lot of heartache and a lot of bloodshed and mr steve ditch i got nothing more to add you guys you guys summed it up pretty well uh other than uh yes if you got to decide sometimes that you got to accept that your mistakes may lead to irrevocable changes and that's what that's what sometimes we mean by dealing with something is not why it why aren't things going back to the way they are uh and I and they never I will you're you're not there david's flaw here i think you know <clears throat> it's it's tough to tell he's but you, you have to wonder why he's just so so isolated and you know alone at this point yeah depressed whatever depressed. Yeah. well and whatever you and you th- you think about it you go from being rock star to being a rock yeah. <laughs> i mean just I mean, think about that change. It's got to be horrible. So, and with that, this is podcast number 114. This is Man Up, Spiritual Oasis for Men. We're not pastors. We're just regular guys trying to deepen our faith. We hope you enjoy this. Invite your friends to go ahead and listen to this kind of stuff. Talk amongst your friends about this. This is deep spiritual stuff. And the nice thing about it is it's historical data that you can look at over time we don't know where we are in this story we're, we're just a spoke our life it just we're, we're just a, a millisecond but life it goes on and we get the opportunity to see what happens when good and in this case bad decisions are made and we hope this informed you and helped you on your faith journey <clears throat> my name is bill cox This is Man Up, Man Up Podcast number 114. We're so glad that you joined us, all you men out there, and you ladies too. Just want to make sure that we encourage you to join a local Bible-based church. Why local? So you'll go. And when you go, join an adult Bible fellowship, a small group, which is like a Sunday school. And look for one that is men only. And if there is one, star one. This is Man Up. You've been listening to Man Up. You want answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Dedicated to the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men. If I were the man I was five years ago, I'd take a flamethrower to this place. You can contact us on Facebook under Man-Up. Post questions, and we'll answer them right here on the Man Up Podcast.